Amen. Take your copy of God's Word. Open, if you would, to Matthew chapter 14 this morning, please. Matthew chapter 14 as we continue the series we've been in since the beginning of the year on the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is writing to a particular people at a particular time, but we believe God's Word is timeless, and it applies for us even today. And in Matthew 14, after seeing the miracles that Jesus has performed, after getting a revelation of who he is, after feeling the tension between the scribes and the Pharisees, John the Baptist is left to ask the Lord why as he comes to the end of his earthly journey. Matthew chapter 14 and beginning in verse 1. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch, the ruler, heard about the fame of Jesus, and he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him, put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, is it, it is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guest, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. You ever thought about how it is that you'd like to die. It's kind of a sobering question to think about on the first day of the week. You know, sometimes we try to make light of death in order to, to make it bearable. We want to check the obituaries, and if we don't see our name, we're good. We talk about, hey, I would never divorce my spouse, but I have thought about murder a time or two, if you're honest with that. We, we like to, to make fun of death because it's not an easy thing to think about. My pastor used to say, you know, it's not really death that I fear. I know where I'm going but rather the process of dying. I want you to think about Jesus had just been on, dishonored in his hometown, prophets without honor in his hometown, and now the prophet John, the last of the Old Testament prophets, the forerunner to Jesus, is dishonored through his execution. You remember that John had been in prison about 18 months at this time when Herod Antipas, who succeeded the Herod who asked, where is he who was born king of the Jews, committed adultery by forsaking his own wife and taking her Herodias, who was the wife of his half-brother, John had called him out in no uncertain terms, and John had no problem calling people out. He just said, it is not lawful for you to have her. And so Herod had had him thrown in prison. You remember John had actually sent some of his disciples to Jesus during a time of doubt and had asked, are you the Christ or should we seek for another? And Jesus had said to John, go and tell John that the lame walk, the blind see, blessed is the one who puts their trust in him. There is an indignity to death sometimes. In fact, some of history's greatest giants have been met with its most insulting deaths. Some people who had undignified endings, people who were believers. The Apostle Paul, tradition has it, beheaded on the Appian Way just outside Rome. All the apostles, except for John the Beloved, martyred. Polycarp, burned alive. Jim Elliot, Right after he wrote, he is, no fear. he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Speared 
by the people group he was trying to reach. You know, there's something gruesome and horrific even today about a terrorist group video recording the beheading of a brother or sister in Christ and then broadcasting it for all to see. It reminds us that our fight is not really against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness. And now to think that a teenage girl could dance in front of her mother's adulterous boyfriend and thereby decapitate the very one who Jesus himself says is the greatest born among women who's ever lived. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem dignified. It certainly doesn't match John's persona. I mean, this is the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, you brood of vipers to the Pharisees, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? You, I mean, you're ready if you're playing the scene out, ready for the angels to sweep down and stop it anytime, Lord. And he can. But here he doesn't. You see both sides of Hebrews 11 playing out here, beginning in verse 33. Those who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. I don't know about you, but I always ask that question, where's the part here about stopping the mouths of lions. Even the way we try to make death as comfortable as possible, we talk about death with dignity. We have a, a, a local hospice house here that will make you as comfortable as possible. It's a wonderful ministry. But we tend to think that, that death is, is comfortable. We're not guaranteed that kind of death. There are all kinds of people who once sat in these seats and in other seats just like them in churches around the world who are now in nursing homes, waiting to go on. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego getting ready to be thrown in that fiery furnace and saying, oh, king, our God is able to deliver us today, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to your gods. Because as much as we want to fight it, as much as we want to try to think otherwise, our lives really don't belong to us. They belong to the Lord. If we're in Christ, we're no longer our own. And when I think about the one who gave his life for me, everything begins to change. It makes it easier when people begin to insult me. Just know this, whatever you're going through, it will never compare to what Jesus went through on your behalf. And he's already done it on your behalf. And that means I can take it if I'm trusting in Jesus. Corey Ten Boom, who infamously survived the Holocaust at the concentration camp when they began forcing them to remove their clothes was told by her sister as she shuddered to think the thought of it and said to her, Corey, they took his clothes too, reminding her of our Savior and Lord. Your shame will never be as shameful as the death of Jesus. And when I understand that my life doesn't belong to me, I'll do anything if it will give my Savior glory. That's what Paul is going to say. Hey, if we live, we live unto the Lord. If we die, we die unto the Lord. To live is Christ, but to die is gain. 
you know, we face some challenging times in our country, in our world right now. Some would say the stakes could never be higher. Now we need people committed now more than ever. In a time when I believe it's harder to get people committed in church life than it's ever been, we need people committed now more than ever because the greatest crisis we are facing right now is apathy within the church. You want to do something about this mess this nation is in, we need you to be involved and engaged in the life of the church and in service to Christ more so than ever before, but it's going to cost you. It may very well cost you your life, but it will be worth it. As you think about undignified deaths and having to go through horrific circumstances and losing your dignity, the real danger isn't that. The real danger isn't that you end up like John, but that you end up like Herod. Herod hesitates because he knows deep in his heart that the message of John rings true. He's under conviction. And yet Herod, driven by his own passions and the manipulation of his adulterous wife, murders God's anointed servant. Jesus will tell the disciples later on, beware of the leaven of Herod. Beware of riches and power and fear of man that will ultimately destroy your life. That's where he is. At one point in Luke 13, Jesus actually refers to Herod as that fox. Herod never seems to learn his lesson. Even when Jesus is put on trial, Herod doesn't just sin against John. He sins against his conscience. He knows what it is to be true, and yet he doesn't follow it. He exchanges the truth of God for a lie and worships the creature rather than the creator. That is the story of our world today. He gets the girl, he gets the money, he gets the power, he gets the fame and renown, and he splits hell wide open when he dies. Far better to die for the cause of Christ than to live for the cause of self. And there is a time coming in your life when you are going to have to decide, am I in or am I out? You know what Jesus hates more than anything? Lukewarm people. People who are half in or half out. Either get in or get out, but don't toe the line here. There is coming a time in your life when you'll have to decide. And when that moment comes, when you have to decide between the self and Jesus, will you be ready? Years ago, I visited London not Kentucky, where KFC is, but the other London in England. And I got to go to Oxford for a day. And if you go to Oxford, it's not simply a university. It's really a whole town of colleges put together, and that's what's known as Oxford. It's the oldest oldest English-speaking university in the world. dates to the 1100s. There is a spot right on the city street that is marked differently than all the pavement everywhere else. You can see it, but it's easy to pass over because it's not really... Marked all that well. It is the place where Cramner and Latimer and Ridley, Thomas Cramner, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley, burned at Oxford because they refused to recant and back down on believing God's word. The state burned them at the time. It's a traditional site for them. It's, it's almost not even noticeable. They put a monument up later in their honor, but the place of martyrdom isn't a whole lot. It's easy to pass over if you don't know what to look for. You can step right on it. But these men gave their lives because they believed the gospel was worth dying for. 
The rest of Hebrews 11 describes them well. It says some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And in all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised because the scripture tells us that seated at the throne of the foot of God will be his martyrs, men and women, saints and strangers, pilgrims and Puritans. They'll be aborted babies. They'll be elderly missionaries. They'll be believers whose limbs have been torn and put back on by the Lord. They'll be people whose eyes have been gouged and placed back in, whose tongues have been cut off and replaced, whose heads have been removed, whose bodies have been burned, and they are crying out, how long, O Lord, how long? And don't you mention, don't miss the end of this passage in verse 12 of what the disciples did when they found out that John had died. Here's what they did. It says they went and they told Jesus. And so must we. You know, just before his death, John had heard about what Jesus was doing, even from that prison cell. He sent his disciples to question Jesus. What did you go out in the wilderness to see is what John says. What did you go out into the wilderness to see, Jesus says of John? He said, more than a prophet, no one born among women greater than John the Baptist, and yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Why? Because John had not yet been glorified, and neither have we. God help us to live with such conviction. Are you ready? to live your life for Christ. A lot of people say, I'm ready to die for Christ, but are you ready to live for him? For as long as God gives you breath, are you in or are you out? I want us to bow our heads for just a moment as we come to the invitation time. I'll ask our praise team to come. I want us this morning as we consider this passage of scripture just for a few moments this morning. The life of John the Baptist predicted all the way from Isaiah about the one who would come and bring comfort to the people and he does so as the voice of one crying in the wilderness there in the desert out there in the Jordan River eating locusts and wild honey wearing camel's hair John preaching about Jesus One day Jesus comes along during the early part of his ministry and John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. And yet Jesus said, I have need for you to baptize me. There is something incredible about the ministry of John. Fearless. And yet to lose it all and to be placed in prison, he could have easily lost hope. He could have easily lost faith. And yet God the Father saw fit to see him through. You've got to ask this morning, are you truly, are you really all in for Christ? Have you made that commitment to God? Brothers and sisters, we need you to be. There are too many women, men and women who have sat where you've sat, gone where you've gone, who have paid the price 
so that others may know about Jesus. We have a glorious heritage. We can have an incredible future. But it's only going to come from men and women who say, whether we live or whether we die, we're the Lord's. Our lives are in his hands. Have you said that this morning? If not, why not? Why not come to him now? Maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Today can be that day. Friend, if you'll turn from your sin and place your faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross through the empty tomb, you can have eternal life. You can have forgiveness. You can have peace with God. If you're here today and you say, I just need to make a rededication of my life to Jesus. I need his help. I can't make it on my own. Welcome to exactly where God desires you to be. Fully dependent on him for everything. Maybe you want to grab the hands of these men and women who have graced us by their attendance today and say, I'd like to sign up for disaster relief. I'd like to be one who is helping when times of crisis come. Jesus says, if you so much as give a cup of cold water in my name, you've done it unto me. Maybe that's you this morning. Whatever it is, will you commit to Christ? Job said, though he slay me, I will still honor him. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, have your way in this service, in our lives. We yield them to you, for you are the giver and sustainer of life. Lord God, in this church, in your kingdom, have your way. May we be faithful even unto death, knowing that you will give us the crown of life. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and for his sake. Amen.